For women at this stage, of course, they need to look at replacing the lost estrogen or progesterone. Um, this is an absolutely fantastic time to actually get their nutrition sorted as well, because what you bring into the perimenopause will become amplified. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Hi, friends. I hope you're well. I hope there's not too much feedback because I, as I'm recording this introduction for you, uh, there is a storm here in England, and so it's very, very blustery outside. Um, but I hope you are keeping safe and well. Um, I had tremendous feedback on last week's podcast with Karen Martel, all about hormones and bioidentical hormone therapy for menopause. And so we're going to be continuing on with that theme this week, talking a little bit more about how you can navigate both perimenopause and menopause effectively with Petra Kovny. Now, Petra is a member of the British Menopause Society for Health Practitioners, and she's a senior yoga teacher and trainer. And she developed menopause yoga to meet the physical and emotional demands of women going through menopause. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how you can use yoga to really help you navigate those perimenopausal years. For so many women, they're experiencing things like hot flashes, tremendous anxiety, sleep issues. And as you heard, hormone therapy can have its place, but the lifestyle measures are also very, very necessary. And so making sure that you have the right nutritional practices in place to support you, that you have the right relaxation practices and that you're doing things like strength building. Um, so strength training is really, really important because we know that around this time with the drop off in estrogen, what we're seeing is less stimulus in terms of muscle mass. We have less insulin sensitivity and that can cause blood sugar dysregulation and due to the drop-off in progesterone you can also experience a lot of anxiety and through the combination of the effects on the hormones sleep disruption and so menopause can be a wonderful way for you to actually build up your strength um, to really build stronger muscles and bones but to also to focus on that whole body experience and on your breathing and actually in this episode Petra takes us through different exercises that you can do and different breathwork exercises you can do to minimize things like hot flashes which in of themselves can actually feed into anxiety as well and so I'm thinking you're going to get a lot from this episode um she does share a lot and a lot of different techniques that you can use and you'll be able to find all of the show notes over on my website angelafosterperformance.com forward slash podcast and all the links to Petra and how you can connect with her there as well but without further delay let me now introduce you to the lovely Petra Covney. So Petra, I am absolutely thrilled to have you on the podcast. So excited to talk to you about yoga for menopause and women in perimenopause. We were just talking about there what a, what a stressful time it can be for so many women when actually they should be taking care of themselves. So first of all, a big warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. And I think it's such a popular topic for people at the moment. They're becoming more aware about this transition. And we were talking about how menopause really should be viewed as the second spring. Yeah, for so many women, they have this resistance and this stress that they're going through. Um, 
You talked about it beautifully a moment ago. Can you explain for, for the listeners how you see this from a seasonal perspective and really what's happening for women from their early 40s and then as they go through and make that transition? I'm very happy to. Um, I first want to say, um, just so that people are aware, that I um, don't view menopause as an illness. However, illness, psychological and physical, can be very present in this transition. And there can be long-term health risks to women due to the change in the hormones and the depletion of estrogen. So I just want to say that because my approach is holistic and that holistic approach can include HRT, hormone replacement therapy, as well as nutrition and natural remedies and complementary therapies and counseling, because I see this as a holistic package that brings together Western medical science, the benefits of Western medical science, and Eastern wisdom, Eastern well-being, and brings them together in this holistic way so that women are treated as a whole woman. So that I just wanted to put that out because menopause yoga sits within that holistic approach, which is why it's such a pleasure to be speaking to you today. Um, you were asking me about my approach with menopause yoga. Mm. And um, even though uh, there can be some very serious um, illnesses, as we mentioned, physical and psychological, it is a natural stage of every woman's life. And we are aware, obviously, that some women will go into menopause early because of premature ovarian insufficiency or from early menopause, surgical menopause, various other illnesses. However, for the majority of women, it is a natural transition. So in menopause yoga, what we do is we draw upon understanding, but also look to Indian Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. And what we learn from them is this ability to see the transition as a stage of nature. And that if women can be reminded that it is a natural stage, they can see that their perimenopause is like autumn, which in the Northern hemisphere we have as a season and the leaves are falling from the trees. And that's really the stage when we are letting go of our fertility. It's not something our bodies need anymore as we come towards the post-reproductive stage of life. And then menopause can be viewed as your winter that time of drawing your energy down in towards the roots, the roots of a tree or the plant to conserve your energy, rest and restore and reprioritize what is most important for you in your life so that you can then emerge into your second spring, which is a wonderful time of renewal, uh, re-emergence, re-energizing. So I hope that. that's... Uh, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that. I want to I want to sort of slightly unpick it a little bit and talk to you about it. So because um, when you talk about menopause, the middle part, just so I can clarify, obviously from a sort of medical terminology, the menopause is one day, right? It represents the day 12 months after your last period. So this sort of going back into the roots in the winter, are you thinking there more about that year? Is that sort of a year of recalibration, if you like, when you, when a woman can kind of reassess where she's going and look forward to the next part of her life and make hopefully that second half the better half, right? Exactly. 
exactly. And she may have had a fantastic earlier stages of her life. You know, if you saw spring as your youth, your, your puberty, and uh, summer as your womanhood, a time of uh, fertility, fecundity, abundance and action, then moving into the perimenopause is that that autumn and then menopause is the winter. But it's really important, yes, to define what we mean by menopause as compared to the menopause, which is the whole transition through each of those stages. And so I would say that menopause, yes, medically it's one day, but it is retrospective over that past year. And that is the time when we really do need to rest to restore our energy. Because as you know, our bodies have estrogen receptors all over. So not just in the ovaries, but in all of our vital organs, our brain, our skin, our eyes, our bones, etc. And so as that estrogen is depleting, unless we're replacing it with, <clears throat> excuse me, with hormone replacement therapy, a woman is going to go through these huge changes on a cellular level, which is exhausting. And if you think about um, teenagers in puberty, what do they need to do? They need to rest, don't they? Because they're going through a huge transformation. If you think about a woman in pregnancy, what does she need to do? She needs to rest because her body's going through a huge transformation. So puberty, pregnancy, perimenopause, her body is going through a huge transformation. And in her menopause, I would see it as an opportunity to pause, slow down. Which is actually Let in the word, right? Menopause. Exactly. <laughs> but sometimes we as women, I mean, both you and I, we're, we're working parents. Your children are much younger than mine. Mine are in their 20s. Uh, I'm in my post-menopause, age 55. And um, I'm, I'm five years into my post-menopause. But... Um, you know, as busy parents, as busy working women, it can be really hard sometimes to give ourselves permission to take that pause. And sometimes we just need someone else to give us that affirmation that, yes, if you take the pause in your menopause at 12 months or longer, then you can reemerge into your second spring. And I know because I've been working with women for over 10 years and the women I work with, I see them in their post-menopause and they are up and running and feeling stronger and more empowered by the transformation that they've gone through, both physically, hormonally, psychologically. But I also see women who have not given themselves permission to rest and to go through this huge change. They've pushed through, driven through it, and they are depleted. They are fatigued in their second spring. And they don't understand why they're depressed and exhausted and weight gain. But more than that, just from, uh, not themselves and a lethargy and a loss of that zest for life. So that's what we're really talking about. Rest in your menopause like winter, like we are in now, so that you can reemerge. She's going to quickly interrupt today's show to tell you about my favorite favorite supplement for reducing stress and anxiety 
It is the original chill pill or nature's value. And I'm not talking about anything like cannabis or marijuana. I'm talking about magnesium. It's a completely underappreciated mineral that really helps to reduce stress hormones, enhance mental well-being, stimulate the production of GABA, and potentially even lift things like depression. And I absolutely love taking Bioptimizer's magnesium. I take two at night before bed, and I take another one in the morning and it just helps me get a wonderful night's sleep pretty much every single night, which just makes you feel amazing. Barring, obviously, when my dog might wake me up or one of my children. Um, now, you can get a cool 10% off by Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela10 at checkout. That's buyoptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela10 at checkout. And then let me know how you get on because I'd love to hear about how it enhances your recovery from exercise, your sleep and your kind of mood and anxiety levels. So that's buyoptimizers.com forward slash Angela and enter code Angela10 at checkout. Now let's get back to the podcast. I love that. So can we talk about like practically how women can do this? So if we look at um, perimenopause, for example, we know that 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 period can last anywhere between two and 12 years. Now, it isn't always really, really majorly disruptive, but they're a bit like puberty took a long time. It's not an overnight shock that you wake up one morning with (laughs) breasts and a period, do you? It'd be quite alarming. So you go through that transition quite gradually. The same thing is happening at the other end with varying degrees of speed, right, depending on the woman. But it's difficult because in those early stages, you know, one of the things we first see is this drop off in progesterone. And what I see with my clients is this is a time where they actually start to feel often more anxious. They're not sleeping very well. They haven't necessarily got things like hot flashes, but they are their cortisol rhythm, this sort of baseline inflammation, progesterone production is now a bit disrupted and it can be quite unwielding, I think, because these women, particularly some of them, you know, they've got successful careers by their sort of early to mid 40s. They're in leadership positions and they're not sleeping very well. And it's very hard. And they've got the challenge of either young children for some women or teenage children for others. What have you found in that stage is the best approach? And you're you're talking to somebody who's like a typical type A personality and always says, I must do more yoga. And I'm very, very keen to incorporate it. Is there a way for busy women to do this, you know, where they don't necessarily have to go and do a full hour, hour and a half, but start doing it as a daily morning routine or something? That's how I try and work it in. Absolutely. My gosh, there's so much to unpick in that. But if we were just to pick perimenopause, because menopause yoga isn't a one size fits all and it's not just one class. There are classes um, around uh, perimenopause, classes for menopause, classes for postmenopause, because I've recognized that women need different things because they have different stages of the menopause and different symptoms. So I've managed to group the symptoms into stages of the menopause and then offer a yoga um, well-being mm-hmm. approach. So I would always say to a woman who's in paramenopause, um, who's starting to feel that anxiety, that overwhelm, the brain fog, 
the fatigue, potentially that's originating from lack of sleep before she's even come anywhere near uh, a hot flush or a night sweat. As you said, you know, that drop in progesterone has these deeply psychological effects, which women are not even aware mostly that this is a sign of perimenopause. It's not until they've got mm. Of flushes that they go, oh, I'm missing my periods, or my periods are different times, and I've got a hot flush. Maybe I'm in my perimenopause. So the practice I would say there, and I'm coming at this as a woman like you who has a lot of drive and energy, and I love what I do. But um, I got extreme fatigue in my perimenopause where I was lying on the bed, unable to move. Nothing wrong with me medically. Uh, and I hadn't been doing excessive exercise. Um, I was feeling anxious. I was feeling low. I was feeling confused. I didn't know what was happening to my body. And by the way, that was the same time that I looked at the person lying next to me in bed and thought, no, thank you. <laughs> no, libido. <laughs> no libido. Yeah, this is so common, isn't it? So common. So women at this stage, of course, they need to look at replacing the lost estrogen or progesterone. Um, this is an absolutely fantastic time to actually get their nutrition sorted as well, because what you bring into the perimenopause will become amplified. So busy women like you and I, who don't look after our nutrition, adapt our nutrition to include more phytoestrogens, um, changing the foods that we eat. I won't, I won't go into lots of details, but supporting ourselves through, um, through the foods and drinks that we eat, reducing the alcohol or eliminating the caffeine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that would be the first place to start. And then with the exercise, I would say that if you're a class A person, like a real driven alpha person, you need to do less. So the practice that we do in perimenopause is especially adapted yin and restorative yoga practice. Now, you might think that yin yoga is just lying around on the floor on blankets and bolsters, but it's not. It is quite deep. It works into the tissues. It's going to help with the fascia release. So I'm sure you see women who have lots of frozen shoulder, mm. lower back pain, SI joint pain. So we've got that inflammation that starts to arise due to the low estrogen in your joints and your muscles. So the yin yoga helps to stretch without pushing and forcing. It helps to stretch those tissues and release, which is really, really helpful. We do slow somatic movement to mobilize and oil up into the joints as well to relieve joint pain. And I know all this because, you know, I had three MRIs due to lower back pain. I had three injections due to frozen shoulder. The doctors could not figure out what was wrong with me. And it was me. I said, gosh, I think this is perimenopause. So I made this link with my hormones. So it's a slow somatic movement. Um, it's yin yoga to stretch out the joints, the fascia and the tissues. It's changing the nutrition. And then of course you have your restorative yoga. So in order to um, bring back some energy into the body, if you're lacking in sleep at nighttime, you're going to need to find practices where you can just take five or 10 or 15 minutes to retreat from the world, retreat from all of those demands of family and friends and work and have a little mini rest, a mini pause. So these are techniques that I show women that they can practice. 
And I, I could waffle a lot about this for so long, but we also have breathing techniques for hot flushes. We have yin yoga poses specifically for reducing heat, excess heat in the body. But we also have remembering that at this stage is often where you get the menopause rage, that irritability rising. We also have um, yin yoga practices for working and releasing that rage and irritability. So that's what you would do in your paramenopause. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because just, just to stick with that for a minute is that can cause a, a source of friction because women are feeling naturally more irritable. And then they've likely got a teenager in the house who's also having a change in hormones. <laughs> that's when you speak to women and they're like, why did I act like the child in this situation? But actually, you know, it's because you're both going through hormonal changes. I was interested there, um, before you go on to the next stage, you were saying about how you can use specific breathwork techniques that help to tackle um, hot flushes. Can, can we touch on those? That's quite interesting. Hot flushes and menopause, rage and irritability. Um, so we have, we have the yoga practice, which isn't a, it isn't a dynamic practice, but there is muscle work, fascia, and tissue work that is going quite deep into the body as well as then having restorative yoga at the end to replenish your energy. But the breathing techniques are derived from Ayurveda and they're to reduce heat in the body. So when heat is present in Ayurveda, but also in traditional Chinese medicine, you will find that there'll be a bubbling up of this heat, i.e. hot flushes, um, but also the anger, that rage rising. So in traditional Chinese medicine, it's seen as an imbalance in your kidney and liver meridians and organs, which I find fascinating because when you look medically at women at this stage in life, there can be issues around urinary tract infection, issues around kidneys, dehydration, et cetera. Um, then in uh, Ayurveda, it's seen as an excess of heat or fire in the body called pitta. And uh, women who are very driven have a lot of pitta. You have a lot of fire in your belly, which is kind of like an engine. It's what's getting you going and keeping you going. So we need to rebalance that. It's not that it's bad to have that fire or heat fire in your belly. It's how can we rebalance it so it comes into equilibrium again? Because we see that the menopause, perimenopause transition, the fluctuations in your hormones cause these dis disturbances within your body. So it's destabilizing the harmony or equilibrium in your body. So that's just the kind of the, the, the factual stuff behind it. So for reducing hot flushes, we have uh, three different cooling breath techniques and um, they, are, they are instantly effective. I keep everything in menopause yoga simple because what we're aiming to do is give a woman a toolkit of techniques that they can practice at home. And one of the things that I say to um, women on my training courses is, you know, um, women don't get a hot flush at seven o'clock at night on a Tuesday evening in a yoga class. You know, maybe they do, but they're not going to wait until they get to your yoga class to have that hot flush. So menopause yoga is about empowering them with simple techniques that they can practice at home, in the supermarket, standing in a bus queue, you know, because that's when it all happens, isn't it? So, um, yeah, we have these cooling breathing techniques, which have come from um, Indian ancient Ayurveda. 
um, and women will feel instantly cool within a few minutes. Um, in fact, some get so cool, they start getting shivers. <laughs> oh, wow, really? So what do they have to do? How do you do this breathing technique? Can you walk us through it? I, I can walk you through, um, I'll walk you through the simplest one. Okay. Um, uh, do you have a glass of water or something that you could just drink just to wet your tongue? Yeah. Because obviously the more you practice this, the more effective it is. But right at the start, you might feel a little bit tickly in your throat because your saliva glands haven't got used to the practice. But once you practice more, it comes more easily. So are you sitting with an upright spine and your feet flat on the mat or floor? Good, because we're both sitting in chairs. That's fine. Okay. And then um, just because it is more cooling to have your palms up, not down, just place the back of your hands on your legs and that will allow your shoulders to relax, taking out tension in the body, releasing that tension. So I'll start with the simplest version. We breathe in by sucking through an imaginary straw. So it's called straw breath. So it would look like this. Then close your mouth and breathe long out of the nose. So make it kind of a pursed, okay. no, not, not fast, slow. Okay, so. Relax, close your mouth and then slow exhalation through your nose. So let's go that through that a few more times because I saw a little bit of tension. Yeah, I did. I was yeah. like, okay, right, let me start again. So. Relax. So it's a slow. Imagine you're drinking a lovely drink through a straw. Oh, through a straw, okay. Like this. Close your mouth, pause, and then a slow exhalation through your nose. Okay, we're going to practice that eight more times. You can close your eyes if you like. So breathing in. Make it relaxed, pause, and then a slow exhalation through the nose. So the pause is important. Breathing in. Pause. Slow exhalation. Make that exhalation as slow as you can as you drain the air out. And breathing in. Pause. Slow exhalation. Let's do that three more times. Pause. Make the exhalation even longer because we're trying to cool and calm. Two more times. Make them as long as you can. Breathing in. One last time. As slow as you can. Long exhalation, cooling and calming. Now just sit quietly for a moment and observe how you feel. This first version is the easiest to practice but doesn't have the most cooling sensation. But we're starting with this one so that it's most accessible to the majority of women. Now, the breathing in through the mouth was sending the breath over the tongue, which helps to cool the air as it enters the body. The long, slow exhalation is calming your nervous system. So we're cooling and calm. Now, open your eyes. We're going to practice the second version. I do actually feel a little bit cooler, <laughs> funnily so enough. 
It could be around the tongue or the back Strange. of the Yeah. Okay, we're going to practice the next one. So just take a little sip of water because you're new to the practice. So a little sip of a drink. So this next version is smiling breath. And women of my age sometimes find that when you smile and breathe through teeth, they find that they get teeth are a bit sensitive. So um, it can feel a little bit a little bit sharp. So if that's the case, do let me know. And if that's you, if it's anyone thing at home, it's totally normal just because the low estrogen actually affects the enamel on your teeth. But practice it. Do you remember the um, character Wallace and Gromit, the cartoon, and there's that big cheesy smile? So to demonstrate, I'm going to start off with a big cheesy grin, a big cheesy smile, my teeth together. And you'll see that when I smile, there's a gap at the side of my mouth, and that's where I'm breathing in. However, when you practice it, you'll have a much gentler, sweeter smile. You don't have to do a Wallace and Gromit smile. But if you think about that in your mind, so again, palms facing up. And this time I'm going to suggest that you touch your first finger, that's your index finger, with the tip of your thumb, and then just rest the back of your hands on your thighs. Because remember, we're aiming to cool and calm. So here we go. I'll start and then you follow, but you don't have to have such a cheesy grin. So teeth together, big smile, breathe in through the sides of the mouth. Relax the shoulders, close the mouth, slow exhalation through the nose. And then maybe closing your eyes so you feel less self-conscious. So let's do that again. Breathing in. Close your mouth, pause. There's no rush, slow exhalation. The slow exhalation calms your nervous system. And repeat again four more times at your own time. That wonderful menopause before you exhale. Four more rounds. You've got the round, you've got the pat pattern now, so continue. Don't rush anything, slow exhalation. The last few make even sweeter smiles so that as you're breathing in, you could be practicing in the supermarket. <laughs> Maybe you're standing near the fridge section, but no one is going to know that you're practicing this because you're just smiling sweetly and the air is drawing into the side of your mouth. Now make this your very last one and go as slowly as you can. Long, slow exhalation. And then pause, relax the breath, keeping the eyes closed. Just check in with yourself and notice if you feel any cooling sensations. So it might be around the tongue or the back of the throat, sometimes in the upper chest. Some women feel it in between the eyebrows. But what we do note is that when women practice this slow, cooling breath, that the cooling sensation near to the brain, so near the chest, 
the throat, the face. It tricks the brain into thinking the whole body is cool. And that's calming. The opening oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because it's the thermoregulatory center, isn't it, of the brain that's disrupted. Because I know that they don't really know why, right? But there's a 0.4 degree difference, I think, centigrade, where, you know, before you hit that stage of life, you can walk into a room and see a different in temperature and your body won't react. It's very good at just stay, keeping stable. Whereas now, when one walks into a room, it's half a degree hotter and suddenly she gets this big hot flash because this sensory. But you're right, I really did feel, I felt the coolness actually in my mouth, around my tongue, and also just around my nose. But even my whole body just feels slightly cooler, to be honest. And that's all it's you amazing. Need. So one of the other reasons why these techniques work, and there's been uh, clinical research into this as well, um, and also the use of paced breathing, so the slow breathing. And one of the reasons it works so well is because when we as women start to feel a hot flush, so usually it rises from the solar plexus, rises up to our chest towards our heart. And we know that because it's a vasomotor symptom, isn't it? So there's mm. a surge of blood towards the heart, opening the veins. And so we can feel it rising here. And then when it gets towards our throat, we can feel quite panicky as if we're going to get consumed by the heat consumed by the flames. You know, think Joan of Arc at the stake, mm. you know. <laughs> Women can get really quite panicky and we also feel a mixture of emotions. So one of the emotions can be um, anxious, so stressed and anxious because you feel your body is out of control or you are out of control of your body. And as women, we're used to being in control of our bodies. You know, we're adult women. So to suddenly have this body doing something that you're not expecting and it just happens like that, that can be um, very stressful. So one of the things is if you feel stressed about having a hot flush, it has been proven it will make your hot flushes hotter, last longer and more frequency. So you will have more mm. of them. And that's interesting because when women are getting it right, they will feel often anxious because you could be, they could be in a meeting or something and they're like, actually, this is, this feels really inappropriate. I don't want this to come on. So the more, what you're saying is the more they try to prevent this, actually the worse it's, the more intensified and the longer it's going to last. So can they start to use that breathing as it comes on? Yes, exactly. And they could, you know, if you start to come on, I will give you some other techniques as well. But um, yes, so there's the stress of feeling that your body's out of control, which can make the hot flushes worse. But there's also the stress of social embarrassment. Mm. And it's so interesting, isn't it? You know, you're a businesswoman. I used to work in the corporate sector in my previous life before I became a, a full-time yoga teacher. And um, women in this culture that we live in, this Westernized culture, we're always taught, aren't we, that women don't sweat. They likely perspire. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's not seen as a, a feminine um, bodily function, whereas men sweat. And it's like, the more they sweat, the better. So, you know, a man might rush into a, a boardroom meeting to deliver a talk and not really be upset by the fact he's a bit sweaty under the armpits if he takes his jacket off. But a woman would. 
And so it's that social embarrassment that is also a stress trigger, making her have hotter hot flushes, lasting longer, more frequency. And that's where women might find, I can't go into work. I can't do that anymore. I, I just, I don't feel comfortable. We don't want that, do we? So I'm going to give you a couple of other techniques. And if a woman is actually in a meeting and doesn't feel that she can do those practices with the, with the mouth open in any way, then we're going to do a little hand gesture. It's called a mudra a mudra gesture, and I'm going to offer you a mantra that goes with that. A mantra is just repeated words. If you're not happy with the Sanskrit words, you can just um, accept it as uh, the English translation I'll give you. But the most important thing is what they call paced breathing. So when we get anxious and panic, we're going to speed up our breathing and it's going to be shallower and that's going to be harder to relax. So we're going to dial up into our sympathetic nervous system, which is also called the fight or flight response. So mm -hmm. stress will trigger the fight or flight, won't it? But with paced breathing, slowing down your breathing will help you to feel more in control <clears throat> and will draw you down into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So the key thing is not to resist the hot flush, but to befriend it and use these techniques so that you feel more in control. But control isn't resisting. Control is learning how to manage the symptoms and then they will fade away much more quickly. And I do promise this to women. The more they practice, they will go away because you'll just get that slight feeling of heat in the solar plexus and you'll go, ah, I'm just going to do my paced breathing or maybe my mantra and it will go. And what happens there? Because I, I personally haven't um, experienced these hot flushes yet. So when you're, you're very aptly describing it for me, because I've obviously witnessed it with women and I've heard them talk about it, this heat rising. When they, when they use one of these techniques, will it reduce the time or will they still get that facial flush? Because that's really what's causing the social anxiety, isn't it? Some of them actually will sweat, they get quite red. Bless yeah. them, and it's really stressful for them. Um, it, we, 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 so ah, okay, that's very good. So we can we can we become attuned to when we start to feel that heat rising, and the majority of women I've worked with in the research say that the heat rises from the solar plexus up. It's a vasomotor symptom, um, but some women will actually feel it more starting here and drawing down. So the, there are some women who are slightly different. Others will have like a prickly heat sensation across their chest and their arms. So again, that's slightly different. And then the complete reverse of this, of course, is that some women get cold chills because the hypothalamus in the brain, it doesn't know whether to go left or right. It doesn't know whether to go hot or cold. It's kind of lost its ability to regulate. So some women actually experience increased um, incredible coldness and shivers. So cold sweats and cold shivers. But if we go back to the majority who, who experience the hot flushes, if they start to feel that heat rising, they need to slow their breath down. I'm going to do this little mudra gesture, which I'll show you. And that means you may never even get to the point of having the hot flush. But if you do get to the point of having the hot flush, do you remember you said you felt a coolness around your mouth, your mm. tongue, maybe the back of the throat, maybe up here or your face. 
that's going to cool that hot sensation. And that's all you need to do because then you're going to start to feel more in control of your body and the symptoms will reside. Interesting. Okay, so let's just very quickly practice this mudra gesture. You can't really see my hands. I'm just going to raise my hands so that you can see them. So the palms are facing up. And the first thing we do is just touch the thumb to the first finger, just as you did before. Yeah. And then you take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, you touch your middle fingertip with your thumb. Then you take a deep breath in. I'm going a bit faster than we need to. But as you exhale, you touch the tip of your ring finger. Then you take another deep breath in. As you exhale, you touch the little finger. Okay, so we touch the fingers on the exhalations. Now rest the back of the hands onto your legs somewhere. The palms are open. It really helps if you can close your eyes with this because you're going to need to focus on your breathing. Remember it's slow breathing, a slow inhalation and a slow exhalation. Now I'm going to start by breathing out of the mouth and saying some syllables. This is the mantra. You don't have to repeat the mantra, but you should try to breathe out of the mouth if possible. So let's all take a deep breath in. Pause at the top of your breath. As you exhale, touch your thumb to the first finger. And I'm going to say, tha. So maybe just try saying that. Sa. Yeah. And then take a deep breath in. As you exhale, touch the middle finger and say, ta. 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 Good. Take a deep breath in. As you exhale, say na, touching the ring finger. Na. Good. Deep breath in. As you exhale, say ma, touching your little finger. Ma. Good, you've got it. Let's do that again. So deep breath in. Say tha, touching the first finger. Tha. Deep breath in, slowing the breath down. Say, ta. Ta. Good. A deep breath in. Say, na. Na. Good. Deep breath in. Touch your little finger, saying, ma. 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 Good. Now, in your own time, say this to yourself. First round is saying it out loud. Tha, ta, na, ma. And then the second round, you say it in your mind. But let's do that all again. Deep breath in. Tha. Deep breath in. Tha. Deep breath in. Na. Deepest breath in. Longest breath out. Ma. Then rest your hands down on your, your legs. Your palms are facing down. And just notice if you feel a little bit calmer. Mm, I do. 
I love this. I love anything mantra-based. So the Sata Nama mantra is, in a practical way, it's giving you something as a woman going through a hot flush, something to do. Yeah. And you're focusing your mind and the breath, and you're repeating something, whether you say those words or simply just exhale as you touch the other fingertip. It is focusing your mind and slowing the breath down. So clinical research, slow breath called paced breathing helps to reduce hot flushes, takes away that level of stress and anxiety so you feel more in control and hopefully calmer. Yeah, it's amazing. And I do feel dramatically calmer, actually. It's, it's really interesting because just that slowing down of the breath, I have, whenever I've practiced slowing down with different techniques, and then I track it with my aura ring at night, and I see what I notice is my heart rate variability improves quite dramatically and quite quickly. And I think that's the thing I hope women listening will take away is these things, you're making them so simple, they can start using them immediately, but also get the benefits immediately. You don't have to do this for three weeks to get a benefit, right? It's going to be instant. It's going to be instant. And we have many, many more of these simple tools and techniques that women can take away as their own little toolkits. And I always say to women, look, you know, some of you are going to have these symptoms, some have this. Some of you are going to benefit from more from this practice, some from another practice. So create your own little toolkit of what works for you. And it's empowering. It's yeah. actually really liberating when you realize you can manage these techniques. But I do need to point out that um, uh, yoga is not going to rebalance your hormones. So any yoga teacher who says, oh, practice yoga, it's going to rebalance your hormones during perimenopause, or it's going to rebalance your endocrine system. There is no scientific proof that that is the case. And until we have the scientific research, I won't say that. But what I will say is that if you've got hot flushes or menopause, rage and irritability, insomnia, fatigue, um, brain fog, um, feeling low in your energy, low in your mood, lethargy. I can teach you yoga practices, so yoga stretches, yoga breathing, yoga meditation, which will make you feel cooler, calmer, soothe, so soothing that menopause rage, and then more rested and restored in your energy. And then you're ready to get re-energized and uplifted for your second spring. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think if women listening could maybe use this um, almost preemptively as well, right? Not just when there's a hot flush, but when they are going to move through what I would call a daily transition. So for example, like at the end of the working day, and then the kids are coming in and they know they're walking into, they're not going to be able to relax. They're walking into a very hectic evening, actually taking five minutes, whether that's at your desk, if you're working from home, whether it's in the car before you walk through the door, just to do that rebalancing with the breath. Um, is really helpful because then you sort of renew yourself before you go into this situation and you're in much better command of your nervous system. Exactly. You can practice it at the different stages of your menstrual cycle as well mm. because you have you know, your, your luteal or your um, menstrual stages where you're um, going through huge hormonal fluctuations in your normal menstrual cycle. 
Mm, and if you yeah. think about that, what you what is present in your normal menstrual cycle can become amplified in your perimenopause. And women who've had um, women who are more sensitive to hormone fluctuations, so women who have had previous life experience of being sensitive to hormone fluctuations are, according to menopause doctors, more likely to have more dramatic menopausal symptoms. Mm. So for instance, if you've had depression, I'll just repeat that, if you had postnatal depression, you are more likely to have more extreme experiences in the hormone transition of perimenopause. So that's something to be aware of because you're more sensitive to your hormones. If you've had postnatal depression. Yes. That's interesting. And also women who have had um, pretty, pretty extreme traumatic experiences in their earlier part of life, whether that's childhood or young adulthood or woman. If a woman has experienced quite deep trauma, this can resurface psychologically in her perimenopause to menopause. Hmm. That's really important for women to hear so that they don't feel like they're going mad or insane. And that if this is the case, if this past trauma rebubbles to the surface, now is a fantastic time to go and get talking therapies. You know, talk to your friends, talk to family, but go and get some professional support because this is an opportunity. The menopause isn't... The, the menopause comes with lots of issues and illnesses, and I know I have had so many of them. But it is also an incredible experience, a transition, almost like you're clearing out your broom cupboard or your attic and all the stuff that you've shoved into there psychologically uh, in terms of past life experiences, but also your lifestyle. If you're running on empty and you're just juggling too many responsibilities and don't give time to yourself, this is what's going to come up in your perimenopause. Mm. But it's an opportunity to reframe, reprioritize, let go. Let go of that old baggage. Mm. And, um, you know, so that you can skip more lightly into your second spring. And I agree with you. Yeah, so true, right? And I think uh, what I like is what you said about it shining a light because I feel like a lot of people will, and it's almost a limiting belief to think menopause is causing my drop in energy, menopause is causing my back problems, my muscle ache, my fatigue. In reality, menopause is shining a light, right? It's like a magnifying glass and showing you it's an opportunity. Have a look. This is where you can do some work so that we can actually get you really, really healthy because I see this as a window to optimize women's health for, that, for the next second stage. Absolutely. We are in 100% agreement. It's an opportunity to improve your health and your happiness, mm. long-term health and happiness. You know, it should be welcomed, but because we fear menopause, because of the social taboo that we've had around this stage in life for such a long time, it means that people do resist. And I see women who are very fearful of what might happen. Um, so if we can take away that fear and say, these are things that you can do holistically for yourself, which can include the HRT and um, nutrition and natural remedies and complementary therapies, talking therapies and yoga. 
Yeah. So with the yoga side, because we talked a lot about the breath work, um, before we kind of close the podcast, with the yoga side, what would you be saying to women that are going through this um, transition? Are there certain types of yoga that they should be doing? I know you've mentioned the yin, um, but lots of women, for example, they enjoy that more kind of fluid vinyasa style or um, more intense yoga. Um, how, how could they sort of change up their yoga practice if they're already doing it or if they're new to yoga, get started with it? So the practice that we have in the perimenopause, if you're having hot flushes, is more restorative and yin yoga. If you're having menopause, rage and irritability, that is also a slightly different version of a yin yoga practice that works around liver and kidney and spleen. Um, but it's still restorative with yin yoga. If you're experiencing anxiety, overwhelm, fatigue, and insomnia, this is usually what comes up around the menopause stage. And that is where we have a very slow vinyasa flow, a mindful vinyasa flow practice. If you're more experienced in your yoga practice, you can obviously go to a slightly higher level of movement. But if you're new to the yoga practice, it's very slow vinyasa flowing movement that guides women into what I call like a moving meditation. And then we rest. We have lots of inverted poses where you're folding forward or legs up the wall uh, in order to draw the energy down, like the sap drawing down from a tree in winter, rooting. So it's a very grounding practice, very nurturing practice. And then in postmenopause, we're looking at more energizing. So in our postmenopause, that's when we will do more work around building bone density and overcoming um, sarcopenia, the loss of uh, muscle muscle mass, uh, building bone density with that stacking the bones in longer held poses. So it's a much more dynamic Hatha yoga practice, but it's very wisely done. It's not leaping around in Ashtanga yoga or, and it's not running marathons. It's working with your cardiovascular health. So the arms are raised in many of the poses. It's going to make your heart work harder. It's stacking bone joints in order to build bone density at those joints. It's working your muscles to overcome that weakness of the muscles so that you can uh, hug your bone structure, preventing the falls that could lead to osteoporosis fractures. But we also do breathing techniques, which put the fire back in the belly. We actually mm. smoke the fire with our breathing techniques so that women feel that new zest for life and energy. So I hope that you like that approach, working with the seasons, we're working with different stages and symptoms, seeing it as a natural transition for a woman, but remembering that there can be a whole range of illnesses and symptoms that are very hard to live with. And they're not just physical, they can be psychological. And if you don't mind me saying as a yoga teacher, it can be quite spiritual. But if we learn to spend time, give ourselves the pause, and as you said, look after our health and well-being, then we can emerge into this second spring, feeling more empowered, embracing this later stage of life, um, and feeling, stepping into what we call stepping into a sense of wholeness. Mm. Yeah, 
That's lovely. And owning it because you've done all the hard work, right? You've raised the children. You've done all the, you've had the pregnancies. If you've had kids, you know, you've got to a really good point in your career, hopefully by now. This should be like an opening up of rich experience in life that you can do. And I always encourage them like make travel plans. Think about what you want to do, like how you're going to organize your day. And because it's a really exciting time, I think. The time for the dream space. If, if it's like your second puberty, but you've got all this wisdom and knowledge behind you as mm. a woman, then what have you not yet done in your life? What would you love to do? What are you waiting for? Get on and do it. It's that mm. carpe diem. Get on and enjoy your life and do all the things that you love. This is your time. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Now, where can people, Patrick, where can people find out more about you, your classes? I know you train instructors. Um, please share with listeners how they can come and find you and connect. Much. Thank you. So I have a website, which is menopause-yoga.com, menopause-yoga.com. I'm also on Instagram as um, at menopause underscore yoga and Facebook as at menopause yoga. But the website is the best place to go to. They can sign up for newsletters. Um, I have in December, I have a a continuing professional development course this Sunday, that's December the 5th. I'm not sure when you're broadcasting. Uh, and that's for anyone working in the physical sphere with women going through these stages in life. It's a menopause awareness course. And then for women who are listening, if they're listening in December, on the 12th of December, we're doing a very Danish style um, winter workshop. I say Danish or Nordic in that it's very much like kind of a, a higger um, practice oh, lovely. We're going to be hugging ourselves with lovely warm and nourishing yoga restorative yoga and breathing techniques for calming and improving your sleep it's very much that winter sense of drawing inwards to restore your energy lovely and is that this is um live in person or is it online live online live online brilliant and presumably more things coming into the new year that you'll be doing that they can connect with you on as well yes so i run monthly workshops I, I teach i train other teachers so i now have due to the huge demand i have training courses running every single month of the year and i have uh, teachers all over the world so currently we have um, just over 300 teachers who are qualified menopause yoga teachers in 20 countries all across the world uh, and that will be growing and developing more so that women can have a local teacher where they live. That's the whole mm, thing. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I will continue doing the teacher training. But that means I only have time for about um, one workshop per month, public workshop for women. But on my website, I have a directory of all of the teachers who have qualified and trained with me. So if women are not to attend my particular workshops they can attend another workshop or class online or in person with many of those other teachers oh fantastic we will link to all of that in the show notes thank you so much petra it's been such a joy having you on and talking to you about all of this i really really appreciate your time today and um, before you go petra one last thing i'd like to link to because i think you have a book out as well don't you on menopause yoga Thank you for asking. Yes, I brought out a book this year in October for Menopause Month. It's called Menopause Yoga, a holistic guide to supporting women on their menopause journey. 
And even though it is mainly aimed at um, women who want to become yoga teachers, I think that any woman would love to read this. It's got my perspective and view of menopause in it, as well as some simple 20 minute yoga practices that they can practice at home. Brilliant. Amazing. Definitely go out and check out that book. As I say, we will link to absolutely everything in the show notes. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, the show notes will be over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast. And you can download the transcript there together with the show notes and all of the other resources that I have on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.